All right. We're gonna do it the scan away. I'm gonna suck your brain dry. And yes, we're back. This is the Mars Magazine Podcast. My name is Adario Strange, and this week we have a special guest on a topic that's very close to my heart, which is the sneakerhead world. Tiffany Beers, a longtime designer at Nike, the person who basically co-designed the Nike Mag, which is the shoe based on the Back to the Future shoe that had self-lacing laces, and then the subsequent Nike Hyperadapt. Nike Hyper Adapt shoe, uh, which also had self, self-lacing self laces. I don't know how you say that, self-lacing laces. She joined us to talk about her journey, uh, 13 years at Nike, then a stint at Tesla, and now she's starting a new project that we're going to talk about in depth in this episode. So if you're into the intersection of science fiction, futurism, and real fashion, particularly in the world of sneakerheads, athleisure, athletic wear, you've arrived at the right place. Here's my conversation with Tiffany Beers. And we are here with Tiffany Beers, the, I guess I'm going to call you one of the masterminds behind the uh, development (laughs) of the self-lacing sneaker from Nike, uh, initially known as the Back to the Future 2 shoe, and then you came out with the Hyper Adapt. Welcome, Tiffany Beers, to the Mars Magazine podcast. Hey, how's it going? All good, all good. So I was doing some research on this. Now, we met, uh, I think, a couple of years ago during the release of the Hyperadapt at the uh, special Soho. What do they call that um, That Soho Nike outlet? Because I know it's not open. It doesn't seem like it's open to the public. Yeah, I think it's called the Clubhouse. I'm not sure, though. Um, yeah, it's usually just for special events and special launches. Yeah, it's like this um, really obscure, like if you were just walking down the street, you wouldn't know it's there. But in the middle of Soho... Yeah. You just walk in the door and there's this like wonderland of like Nike advanced stuff going on. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's fun. They change it up often. So I'm always surprised uh, when I get a chance to go in there. Yeah. So I had a chance to try out the hyper adapt shoes there and meet you. And it was great. And I just wanted to kind of like circle back after all this time and kind of go a little bit deeper to talk about not only that, not only the Back to the Future shoe, but just sneaker culture in general and talk about some of the stuff you're doing right now. So let's just start from at least the beginning as far as I know, the Back to the Future shoe. Now, I did some research and what I didn't realize was that your name is on the patent for the original, uh, not the one that came out in the movie necessarily, but the first real version, unless I'm wrong, correct me, that your name's on that patent for the self-lacing shoe. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. My, you'll find my name on a lot of patents because I was working in that area for many, many years. So it's you and Tinker Hatfield. So now this is one thing I was I couldn't really discern on my, you know via my research. So it seems like Tinker Hatfield is credited with designing the look of the shoe from the original Back to the Future film, Back to the Future 2 film, but you had you were an integral part of developing it and making it a reality in terms of actually giving us shoes that self-lace, correct? Like you and he. Correct. Yeah, correct. So we I basically Tinker, you know, does the design and comes up the concept. Like he knows what he wants the product to do. And then my responsibility was find a team of people and technology and pull it all together to make it happen. So all the auto lacing was a product of me and probably a core of six other engineers 
uh, and then a bunch of vendors and a bunch of designers that really the idea of the everybody's brain pulling it all together was where it came from. So to say like one person was responsible for it is a, is a little bit misleading. Right. And, and just for anyone out there listening who doesn't quite remember exactly what this is all about, uh, in 1989, the second in the series of the Back to the Future movie franchise came out. And there's one, I guess, sequence where Michael J. Fox goes to the future and he puts on a pair of futuristic Nike uh, sneakers. And they basically have self-lacing laces. And just ever since that came out in 89, people have constantly talked about, you know, when or what if that could be a possibility. And then as time went on, when will that become a possibility? And then I think it was um, 2011, there was a release of kind of like a replica but I don't think it had the actual self-lacing shoes or self-lacing mechanism. And then 2015 is when the real self-lacing mechanism was revealed. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. In 2011, we launched, it was just the aesthetic of the shoe. Um, and the shoe never really had laces in it to begin with. So it just had the LEDs and it looked exactly like the prototypes that were made for the actual movie. And so, so this comes out. I think Michael J. Fox was the first uh, person to like publicly get to try them on. And then they're released. And then you guys only released 89 pairs. Now, I get 1989, the movie, you know, the movie date. I assume that's what that's about. But, I mean, why is this not in wide release? I, I know Hyper Adapt is out there and we'll talk about that. But why? What, what's going on with that? Yeah, they were really difficult to make, like really difficult to make. So it was basically we we had to take the exact silhouette as it was without changing the height of it, without changing the different features and design of it and put that lacing system in it. And we made the lacing system as small as we could at the time. And it was just really, really difficult to build. Even those 89 pairs of shoes was very difficult. So we realized halfway through making, we can't make a lot of these because it's just, it's just, Unless we change the design drastically, it's just not going to work. So we worked as hard as we could to get those 89 and a, a few replacements made. And that that was it. I know it was disappointing to everyone, but we were actually really happy that we made 89. Like that, that was quite a challenge. Then we get to the release of the HyperDapt, because I guess I'm guessing that after the release of the the Back to the Future shoe, you got like a bunch of demand or kind of interest in the mechanism so you guys attempted to, or not attempted, you made uh, a follow-up in the HyperAdapt. And I guess the thing that kind of threw me off is, so, so just to describe it for anyone who hasn't seen these. So these are low-top sneakers that have the same self-lacing mechanism as the ones uh, featured in the Back to the Future shoe. But there's also like this wireless charging component um, that allows you to just basically like the same way you would use uh, the wireless pad for your iPhone or for your Apple Watch. You can basically just put the shoe down on this charging pad and it charges the shoe and that that charge basically gives the shoe its LED uh, decorations and its self-lacing, you know, power. And so but then the shoe comes out and it's like 700 some odd dollars. Look, I'm a sneakerhead. I'm sure I'm not as big a sneakerhead as you or some of the people listening. I, but I'm I'm kind I'm a I'm a part time sneakerhead. That even threw me <laughs> off. I mean, I, when I pay, let's say, I like a really nice pair of um, 
Allen Edmond dress shoes. And those are generally like, I guess, like 400 bucks. I feel like I'm kind of splurging. 700 bucks. I mean, can, can you just walk me through the, <laughs> the, the logic or just kind of like the market, uh, you know, construct behind that price? Um, I can't really because I really wasn't involved with it. I was more focused on building the technology and getting it to function properly and, and do the auto lacing and all that side. So I don't really know all the in and outs of the pricing. I do know as a concept car and a brand new technology, it is more expensive because you're not making as many of them right. um, up front. And also I want to mention that the Hyperdap was actually built before the auto lacing mag. So the auto lacing technology was built for running and training into wear every day um, before we actually put it into the mag. And so the Hyperdapt had a bit of a life prior to that. We could test it and make sure it worked. So it also was years of testing and years of building that went into kind of getting that technology just right. So the inductive charge, which is how you charge the shoe, um, that was the least we, we knew the consumers weren't going to like charging shoes because it was <laughs> something you never do. Right? Right, right. And so just being able to set it on something we figured was a simpler user experience than, you know, having to plug it in or replace a battery or something along those lines. And so just let, let's circle back to the sci fi thing. Nike has, I think, almost always been at the forefront of design and in particular, I would say futuristic design, like design that makes us think, OK, either this is the next, you know, kind of design flourish that we'll be seeing on the streets or when we actually see a sci fi, a science fiction movie, you know, sometimes you'll actually see, you know, as in the case of Back to the Future, sometimes you'll actually see Nike shown or, or something that was clearly inspired by Nike. Uh, shown off in films. I mean, what, you know, from your vantage point, just um, as an engineer, well, actually, you know what, before we get into that, you're in Oregon right now. Are you still based in Oregon? I am still based in Oregon. Yeah. Okay. So what, what, just give me a little bit of background about Tiffany beers. Like what, 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 who were you before Nike? Like, what were you doing? What was your background? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I grew up in a really small town in Pennsylvania, in rural Pennsylvania, and I got a plastics engineering degree from Penn State Barron. And um, I started out at Rubbermaid designing trash cans and food containers, like designing boxes, literally. Um, and I applied at Nike and, and they moved me out there. They liked the idea of the plastics engineering and and someone from a different part of the country. So, um, yeah, I got in the innovation kitchen there and basically almost after about a year started working on the back to future shoe. So there's, there's not, that's, that's pretty much the story. And so give me the direct line. How do, well, you quite literally went from the bottom to the top. You're designing, you know, trash cans and then you literally go to like the, the best shoes on the planet, or at least the best shoes in some, uh, some people's view on the planet. What's the direct line in terms yeah. of your your competency, your, your competency, your your skill set? What what skill set do you bring from that plastics engineering to Nike? Yeah, so I understand really well materials and how to construct things from to be manufacturable. But I think at Nike, you know, Tinker at the time he would just give little seed projects off to people, and he just happened to pick me for this one, and I 
I always work as though anything's possible and figure out ways to make it happen and understand the limitations and when we can break those limitations. And so I think just my methodology of looking at things he really liked and it helped get us and move the technology along. We didn't move quickly. I mean, it was 10 years, um, but there were definitely other factors impacting that. But I think it's an overall positive, optimistic outlook plus an engineering mindset um, that's been able to make me successful. Yeah, it it really makes sense to me because when I look at most sneaker companies, I see kind of, it, it seems like a very traditional approach but when I think of Nike, when I look at their work over the years, it does seem like plastic or the way one works with plastics and plastic like materials that, that seems to be integral to the design of everything. Everything seems to be this kind of like I said, it, it, there's a futuristic bent even in the most basic Nike design. So it, it really does make sense. So, so back to where I was going before. Like from a science fiction standpoint, are there any influences on your work from the world of science fiction that kind of helped, I don't know, inform, uh, inspire what you were doing at Nike? Absolutely. I mean, I, I love Iron Man and I was obsessed with Iron Man early. It was, you know, it was just coming out when I started to work on the Back to the Future shoe and just that tech, the idea of that amount of technology um, same with Black Panther now. Like, I don't think those are that far-fetched, you know? Like, I I love that as an inspiration and how things move and especially the sound. Like, sound, I think sound and hearing is underestimated. So I remember really vividly the sound of Iron Man's suit when it goes on, all that metal clinking and noises. And same like with the Hyperdap, when you put it on, you find, you hear your shoe. Um and so definitely, I'm definitely influenced by sound and, and um, some of those advanced tech movies. Some of the super sci-fi, super out there stuff, I'm just like, I can't relate to. But um, Like what? Yeah, like, for example, I, I, what? The stuff with the crazy aliens, um, like the crazy <laughs> monster. And I can't even think of the movie names, but like with the really crazy aliens and stuff. Guardians like, of the Galaxy? Uh, yeah, that's one a little far-fetched, although funny. Um, I, I actually did like that one, but, um, yeah, Star Wars to be Star Wars. I like Star Wars. I can't watch them all. I fall asleep <laughs> in them, but for whatever reason, okay. but I do like some of the tech going on in them. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll think on that and tell you what, what okay. movies were the, the kind of ones that didn't work for me, but we, I, I mean, have this argument with my husband all the time. <laughs> oh man. Sci-fi. Is he a, he's a sci-fi uh, nerd. <laughs> He loves it. He loves it. He watches them all. I, I'm assuming there's, I mean, if vibranium or something like vibranium existed, you couldn't tell us. But it's interesting that you like the the sequences from Black Panther and Iron Man, because when I think of those sequences, I do feel like they're inspired by Nike. Because anytime we see kind of like behind the scenes footage of Nike, you know, labs and, and design workshops, it does kind of look like what um, I can't remember the character, but uh, Black Panther's little sister, like when she's showing off yeah. the different mannequins and how the suit, you know, repels or, or takes energy and and I guess kinetically sends it back. And then Iron Man in his lab with all the, the holographics, you know, uh, systems. I mean, is that is that kind of the stuff that you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a, a part of those movies where they explain to you, they show you a little bit about how the technology works. Versus like, in a lot of films, it's like just magic. Oh yeah, here, here's super 
whatever that that does whatever you know but there you get to see their lab like i'm obsessed with the making of it and like a bit more of the technical background and why it works the way it works and i think they get into that more in iron man and in just the labs and the studios of black panther like you can see you can imagine how it's being worked on there and i think that's just really cool so now let's get back to the hyperdap now this is i could be wrong but i feel like this is in terms of something that's mass market available i feel like this is the the smartest or the most tech enabled shoe i've seen sneaker i've seen i haven't seen anything like this like is there i mean are there any i'm, I'm sure you're maybe hesitant to mention competition but is there anything else out there like this it has like this inductive charging and you know the all these i mean we've seen leds before but you know just the mechanisms for the lacing like anything like that even if it's like in a different part of the shoe have you seen anything else out there no, not recently. The only thing that comes to mind is the Audi One. Uh, that one was pretty complicated, and I don't think you charged it. The Aud- I, don't, I don't remember, but what? What? Who's that from? From Adidas. Um, it was the cushion. The shoe that had the cushioning that would change underfoot. Oh, okay. Okay. It was Adapt. That's the only one I can think of, and that one is you know I think that launched in the early mid two thousands, maybe. That's that's. That's definitely looking back. But no, I haven't seen anything recently that you charge. I mean, LEDs, of course, are going to charge. But I haven't seen anything that is quite as complicated or technical, like having an auto lacing system in it. There's, of course, the GPS, you know, like um, Under Armour's connected GPS for Map My Run and things like that. But no, I haven't seen anything quite as technical as that. I've heard Wait a minute. Under Armour has a shoe that has a GPS locator in its soles. Um, it has a connect. It's called connected. I just got a pair and I'm trying to figure out exactly what it means, but um, it'll track your run, right? So you don't have to have your phone and all that stuff with you. It, it's just already in the shoe. So when you run, it's like mapping your run and tracking your pace and things like that. Wow. When I was trying the Hyperdapt on, and I do remember you making a note of the sound, like how, you know, how the sound, you know, emits that kind of whir uh, once it closes, you know, to kind of like it, it It did kind of feel like Iron Man-esque. It kind of like lets you know tech is happening, tech is happening here. Um, and then I thought, wait a minute, are people, is the mainstream, not tech nerds, but the mainstream, is the mainstream ready for basically what we would call smart shoes? Um, and if they are, why aren't they everywhere? Smartphones are everywhere. Smart TVs are everywhere. Uh, you know, I, AirPods are everywhere. I mean, if the public is really ready for this, why is it like, why isn't this everywhere? I, I don't mean just hyperdapt. I mean, in general. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And um, I think I think people are ready for it. I think people are excited to have it happen. But I think it's not there yet because. All those items you mentioned, the smart TV, you know, the AirPods, the smartphone, those are all rigid based products, right? Like, you know, if you step on your AirPods, they're, they're toast, right? Like right. they're going to break. Where a piece of footwear is super dynamic. There's moisture involved, there's twisting, there's impacts, there's torsion, there's heat. Like it really sees so many other dynamic environments that the technology still is not ready for like you need stuff that's not going to break and it's going to stay waterproof and sweat sweat has salt in it right so it can't corrode at all so it's a really dynamic environment that footwear is in and how do you protect those electronics in there it's not it's not like just a phone right a phone we kind of take care of and we keep track and we put a cover over it and we waterproof it 
Um, it's, it's a bit more dynamic environment for that still. So, so we need something, we need, uh, the vibranium equivalent of, I guess, a malleable material that will withstand water, heat, uh, stresses, pounding, all that stuff. Yep. 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 The shoe is a very, um, I hate to use the word abusive, but it's a very abusive environment. If you think of how, like, think of those basketball players, right? How much force they put into shoe and just you and everyone that walks every day in their shoes, like how many times does your heel impact the ground? You know, that's why the body's amazing. It can withstand all this. If only our electronics were closer to behaving like the body does, then we'd be, we'd have digital everything. So now, so let's move forward. So you, you left Nike to join Tesla and now you moved on to do your own YouTube channel specifically about sneaker culture. Am I describing it right? Do you kind of want to elaborate on what, what it is, what you're doing? Yeah. So while I was at Tesla, um, people kept asking me about shoes and I, I realized my passion for sneakers and shoes. Like I, I needed a break from it, but I was like still very into it. And so after I left Tesla, I was like, I kind of want to study the entire industry. I've never bought or worn another pair of sneakers since I worked at Nike. And so it's like, what's Adidas doing? Like, I want to try Boost. What's New Balance doing? You know, what are all these brands doing? Especially Reebok. Reebok's got some cool stuff. Um, and so this YouTube channel is basically me exploring all these other brands, looking at their technology, wearing it. And it's just kind of like cheering how what I see when I look at a shoe. Um, and so for now, it's just, it's just kind of exploring that. And at the same time, I'm learning a ton about the culture and a ton about purchasing shoes. Like, oh my gosh, try and find the best running shoe for you. Right. It's very difficult. Very difficult. Oh, I was going in a different direction. I was thinking about the sneakerhead. So I, I have very reluctantly, I've always been a sneakerhead of, of sorts, but I've never been like the obsessive person who kind of devotes an entire closet to sneakers and keeps them in the box and all that. Well, I've become that person. Okay. I've, I've, <laughs> I, I couldn't resist over time. It's happened. And now I find myself with boxes of beautiful sneakers, some of which I only wear once a month, once every three months. Uh, I'm cleaning these sneakers. I've always, I mean, I've always doted over my sneakers, but now it's, it's, I'm, I'm in, I'm in casual sneakerhead mode. And I think one of the things that so I lived overseas in in Japan for about five years. And so there's a gap in my American pop culture knowledge. But when I came back in 2012, what I found is that when hot new sneakers sneakers come out, you can't get them. It's just impossible. There are these uh, auctions, not auctions. There are these um, kind of timed releases. And if you're just like a regular schlub like me trying to go online to buy them, you're out of luck because now these people, these sellers, these resellers have these bots and I guess the bots make the purchases for them and then they resell them on eBay. I mean, are when you, first of all, when you were at Nike, were you aware of this? And now that you're doing your own channel, are you more aware of this? Yeah. So at Nike, I initially, I was not aware of it. It wasn't until after I'd worked on a few sneakers with Tinker that I started to see this, how this all worked. Um, and so now that I have my own channel, I'm totally aware of it because I get questions about it all the time. And, and even I try and get on like sneakers and things to get different shoes. And I, you can get caught up. You can totally get caught up in the consumerism of getting all these shoes. Right. But I tend to look for the ones that are beautifully constructed. Like I think that people really, I think this is why I love sneakerheads. They obsess over this product and they find it so beautiful. And if, 
I think if everyone knew how much work actually goes into building one of these, like it's a, it's a quite complicated product. Um, and so I like the ones that are constructed really well, and really beautifully, like the, the um, jo- Air Jordan one retro, that's the seasons of her, like the materials and figuring out how to put those beautiful materials together. Like good job on, on the people that made it. Cause they did a great job. But in terms of like, it depends on why you're collecting shoes. Are you collecting shoes because you think they're beautiful or you just want the most expensive ones to say you have the big collection. Like if you just right. want the most coveted ones then fine, yeah, you should have to fight it out and pay a lot of money for them. Like I, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if there'll ever be a solve for that, you know, but but yeah. it's kind of the same with the car industry, right? Like you have to have a lot of money to collect some beautiful cars. Well, yeah, this is my frustration. So I'm not someone who, uh, you know, I bring someone over to the house. Oh, look at these beautiful, rare, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. that I managed to cop, blah, 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 you know, through these nefarious means. No, I like it. I'm the other person. I, I want to wear them so people can, you know, oh, whoa, that, that, that those are cool. Where'd you get those? Or what are those? As they always say. Um, so, like, so, so I have two anecdotes. So when the Adidas, I think it's about a year ago, the Adidas uh, collaboration with uh, Bathing Ape, Bape, they came out with uh, NMD R1s, and it was basically like um, a camo design, and it wasn't amazing, but, you know, I'm a fan of Bathing Ape, and I just like the design, and it was my first attempt to say, okay, I'm going to stay up until, I think it was like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., I'm going to be one of these idiots to stay up and wait and have my, and I had like two browsers open, you know, I'm, I'm a tech analyst i've been writing about tech for many years i, I kind of know my way i figured you know okay i got this nothing <laughs> nothing full blank i i, I stayed up I, it had to have been like 2 a.m and that's what led me to kind of like begin delving into okay is this r- a regular occurrence and i found out yeah this is basically the norm if you're just a regular sh- schlub trying to wait for the release no, it generally doesn't work that way. You have to kind of get into these networks where people have these super fast bots that maybe can work on your behalf and you can reserve one through them. And it gets pretty crazy. And I just went through this thing with, um, are you aware of Errolson Hugh from Acronym? Yes. Okay. So he's one of my favorite designers uh, in fashion, yep. uh, aside from shoes, just fashion in general. And so I really like his stuff. A lot of it's too expensive for me. But some of the stuff he does with Nike, some of the collaborative stuff, is really some of my favorite stuff. And so they just came out with this great Nike Air Vapor Max Mach 2. And I was really excited about it. They had like the promotional video with John Mayer where you see like the Western versus this kind of um, cyber tech dystopia kind of thing. Uh, I was really excited. And you can't get these things anywhere. They're they're unavailable. (laughs) But... The thing, the, what the thing that's baffling to me is that you don't see them on the streets. Like, does, does yeah, this make any sense? Yeah, people wear them. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Like you, they're completely sold out. But you don't. Like, it's not like I think like back in a hundred years ago, back when oh well, you can't get the new Jordans; they're sold out, or you know, there's a run on them. And then you see people. You see them, you know, at parties. You see them, you know, on the street, on the subway, wherever. You know, you you couldn't maybe get your own, but you would see them. I don't see these you know, Nike Air Vapor Max shoes anywhere on the streets, but you can't get them. I mean, can you, can you help me understand? Like, is, is it really getting to the point where people are just stockpiling these things and not wearing them? 
yeah, I don't really know. Like, I don't have a way of knowing that. I know I, I wanted the same pair, the white, the white and black and green ones. Yeah. Um, and I got online, but because I'm a less coveted size, I got them. Um, and I got online at, I think seven in the morning when they, when they launched and it was like only 15 minutes before they were sold out. But I think it all comes down to how many is the brand making? And I think from a brand standpoint, and I've never worked in this area, so I'm purely guessing as a consumer at this point, um, they can talk about a shoe and some they know will be hit. Like we knew the mag was going to be a hit just because people have been asking for it for years, but sometimes they don't know if it's going to be a hit. So how do you know how many to make? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then if, if they are rare and there is only a few and people work really hard to get them and their price goes really high, do you make more and devalue them then? Or like, like how do you manage that? Like that we should, you should get someone from Nike's marketing on here to ask those questions. Cause I, I'd love to know too, but it's definitely, there's been a few pair of shoes now that I've tried to get and I couldn't get them. And I'm just like, oh man, this is, this is kind of messed up because you hear people saying it all the time. Like I didn't, I took an L, took an L, took an L constantly. And it's like, it's yeah. frustrating because they should be able to get the shoe that they like and they want to wear. And to the not wearing of them, like, I think it's crazy. I always wear my shoes. Like, that's the point. Like, people put a lot of effort in technology and stuff. And I don't know. In my time at Nike, the shoes were always built so they could be worn. Like, even the mags, we wear tested all of them. We had people walking around Beaverton in Oregon with those shoes on to wear test them. Um, even the auto lacing mags we did. And so it's like, if you don't wear them then you're collecting it for the financial gain someday. Right. You know, that you you, you hit on a, you hit on another point that kind of irks me, which is the sizing thing. So for me, Nike runs narrow and you know, I have wide feet. And so I generally will size up to a 14, where my normal shoe size with most sneakers will be about a 13, 13 and a half, 13. So 14s are something that these like really exclusive releases don't often make. You might find them once in a while, but if you so if you go to the official acronym website, the sizing only goes up to 13. If you go up to eBay, I'm talking about the ones we're talking about right now, the Vapor Maxes. Yeah. Um if you go yeah. to eBay, you'll actually find a couple of 14s for 400 bucks. <laughs> you know, but it, it, it's really hard to find the higher sizes. So yeah, that's um yeah, I would love to talk to someone from Nike, Mar Nike Marketing to figure out some of the, I mean, if they would even talk about this, because I imagine some of this stuff is kind of like the secret sauce of why they, you know, release things the way they do. Um, I mean, so with Errolson Hugh, you tried to get your own pair. Let's talk about him for a second. I mean, what do you think of his work? What do you think of like the way he took his, I guess you would call it, I call it haute couture streetwear. Because it's really high-end streetwear. And yeah. he kind of took that and married that with what I think Nike Lab, ACG, what they're doing, which is kind of like a, I would say, a futuristic take on sportswear. I mean, what do you think about him and what he's doing in that whole line and just that approach? Like high fashion meets yeah. Nike. Yeah, I like it. I love it, actually. Um, I have been paying attention to him for a couple of years now. And like he put some jackets a few years ago that I just love but i could not find in my size um i like what they're doing with it like because anytime you have sportswear involved with something that means you're getting a different level of durability like to me that always means like you're going to get something that you can wear more um that is going to last longer because that's that's sports 
right? And so um, I like it when it combines with some Pyron materials and it just, it, it was kind of similar to when we worked with Tom Sachs on the Nike craft. We used a bunch of really interesting materials, but did a spin on regular Nike product with it. And I think he, um, from acronym, I think he just takes it to a whole new level. It's really beautiful. Like, I don't think I've seen stuff from them that isn't like, wow, beautiful, but technical uh, and fascinating. I love his work so much. Um, and the fact that he goes through the trouble to put together these really well-produced videos, you know, some include yeah. martial arts. A lot of them look like science fiction outtakes, like outtakes from a larger science fiction film. Uh, and then the latest, you know, as I mentioned before, John Mayer, and it's kind of like this old West versus, I guess, a cyber tech, uh, Akira, uh, ghost in the shell looking city in the background. Um, very cool. Uh, anyone listening, if you haven't checked out Errolson Hugh and acronym, highly recommended. Um, so that kind of leads me to one of the last things I wanted to touch on, which is sneaker culture meets celebrity. So now, <laughs> uh, Kanye West, the rapper Kanye West, just, um, I think the new shoe is the Yeezy 500. Am I correct on that? I don't even know. I have not <laughs> dove into the Yeezys at all. There feels like there's so many of them. Okay, so have you seen the ones? They're like very, they look like bubble shoes. They're like um, off-white and they're very like bulbous. Does that really Yeah, the really thick commissals, yeah. Yeah, so now the conversation, so I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. And so the conversation among sports fans has been that if this were released by, let's say, Under Armour, or pay less shoe source, <laughs> you know, some other <laughs> company that maybe doesn't have like the cool points that this wouldn't be getting the same attention. But because it's Kanye and no matter who's behind it, Adidas, Reebok, Nike, whoever, because it's Kanye, these shoes are being taken seriously. But then on the other side, you have Pharrell who came out with this HU line. Have you checked out the Pharrell line? No, I haven't yet. So these are basically just um, there must be a, a term for this. Maybe, you know, it there. There's kind of like this new trend in shoes. Well, not new, I guess now maybe it's like four or five years old now where you just have kind of the sole. And then on top of the sole, it's basically just a sock kind of like it's basically just a sole and a sock on top of the sole. Yeah. Um, is there okay. a term for that? That kind of design? I'm not not that I know of yet. Well, that okay. Well, that seems to be the thing. And so, uh, Pharrell came out with a shoe, the HU line, and they're kind of cool. They have like the like kind of kanji and words on top of the the foot, uh, or on top of the the top profile of the foot. But that doesn't seem to re really be getting. I mean, it's sold out in most versions that you try to get it, but it still doesn't seem to be getting as much hype. I mean, do you think that hurts or helps the sneaker? I guess world in general in terms of Someone like a Kanye just coming out with, I'm just going to put out, I mean, look, I'm sure a lot of thought went into it. Let's just to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I mean, you know, when someone puts out something that wouldn't be taken seriously, if I think a other, other company put it out, I mean, what do you, I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Balenciaga or I can't tell who's copying who now, <laughs> but I mean, do you think that helps or hurts? Yeah, I don't know. I think I think the the sneaker industry, right, it's a sneaker. So how many places can you go with it? Right. So I think them exploring new areas and I, I think the first brand to do it was actually called Hoka. 
And they built the really their running shoe with really thick midsoles. And I remember seeing those being like, oh, no way. Those crazy. <laughs> but people love them and they feel great. So like they actually have performance benefits. They You need that much foam under your foot to get that much cushioning consistently when you wear them. So to me, when I see those shoes, I think back to Hoka, which is rooted in performance. Um, I think the sneaker world. You know, it, like, I, I don't mind them coming out with these wild and crazy things. Would I personally wear them? I don't know. I mean, it seems like it would make me taller, maybe. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't really have an opinion one way or the other to it. I think it's interesting that they're all kind of going that direction. And then I would see super low profile coming back next. I mean, I'd love to see super low profile, but really comfortable shoes. Now, what do you mean by that? Could you describe what that means? Yeah, so low profile is just you're really close to the ground. So, like, I would say the, the shoes you're talking about are quite tall. You're quite high off the ground. And mm. anytime you're high off the ground, you kind of risk twisting your ankle. Um, or, you know, it's it either gives you a lot of cushioning, but you're just you're higher. So low profile means you're just really low to the ground. Um, like, think, think of, um, like, flip-flops. So, yeah, you know, so that makes me think of um, super low profile. Well, that, that makes me think of the classics like um, the Puma Clydes. Yep. The Puma yep. Clydes, the um, the Stan Smiths, I guess. Is yep. that what you mean? So, yeah. So that's the other thing that's kind of confusing. So right now I feel like we're kind of like in this retro in terms of fashion and just pop culture. We're kind of in this retro boom that is focused on, I would say, like the early 90s to late 80s. And so given that, I would expect to see more takes on kind of those low profile shoes like the Clyde, like the Stan Smith. And yes, I know there are a bunch of variations of the Stan Smith out there now, but I would just feel like there I would expect that there would be more out there. I mean, have you seen any trends like old school versus new, um, like a, a world in which acronym, you know, and their take can exist, can coexist in the same world as something super simple like a stan smith or a next uh uh, oh god what's uh simmons um rafe simmons like his iterations on the stan smith shoe yeah i mean i think if you took all of the sneaker designs like take every like original not original but every kind of iconic design there is and you put them all up in a room i mean this room would be massive but you'd see like where do you go from there you know, like where, where do you kind of go? So I think them all existing at the same time is, is pretty fascinating. It's, it makes it curious to see where it's going to go moving forward. Um, and it, I think also like generationally, like, you know, I think we love the nineties, the nineties the shoes. Cause that was like high school. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like the time when um, your shoe, you started to pay attention to shoes. Right. So it kind of brings you back to, a time in life that some people really love where now like the kids have so many choices in shoes. Like it's, it's amazing how many different styles there are and kinds and, and, and everything. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it, I, I don't know how it's going to all work out and, and how it's all going to come together. I think we, I think, I hope we move away from retros here pretty soon on some level. One last thing I want to, so when you, how long were you at Nike? I was there 13 years, 13 years. So I have to believe that over all that time, you kind of looked at the industry and kind of competitors and newcomers and what works, what wins, what doesn't. I am fascinated by Under Armour. Under Armour, you know, I'm most familiar with them with their compression shirts, 
and, you know, I guess uh, athleisure wear that they, you know, produce. Uh, but, you know, most people know them, at least historically have known them for their compression shirts. And so now they're trying to do sneakers. They're trying to do shoes. And the biggest, I would say the biggest debacle in celebrity shoe culture that I've seen in recent memory was the release of Steph Curry uh, and the Curry Too Low uh, <laughs> called The Chef, which has become known as the hospital shoe. And these were white, low top shoes that, you know, now I, I took some shots at the at the new Yeezy 500s. I would wear the Yeezy 500s all year round every day before I would wear these Curry Too Lows. Now, at the time these came out, Curry was the MVP of the NBA. Um, he's super popular. He's a handsome guy. He's got the perfect family. He has a beautiful wife. She's very well spoken. Uh, their little, their little kid is like a meme machine. Just so cute. Always says like, you know, does these little funny things. So perfect family, perfect player. Does, guy doesn't get in trouble. Uh, seems to have some cool points with the kids even. And then he comes out with this, this, this shoe that was mocked endlessly. And so, you know, that was like about, I don't know, maybe two years ago. And there have been a couple of, you know, new releases and it's they've gotten better with the design, with the Curry line. But when I look at Under Armour in general, I just feel like they have a hurdle. There's something going on with Under Armour that they have the technology, they have kind of the, the resources, the research to kind of go head to head with the Nikes and the Adidas's and the, I guess, Reeboks of the world. But there's something missing. I mean, can you, as a as a as a veteran of this industry, is there some like ingredient that you feel that you you see missing from their equation when it comes to trying to tackle the sneaker market? Um, that's it's a very interesting conversation. Um, I first of all, when I was at Nike, I didn't study the other brands. I didn't at all. That's kind of why I'm doing it in my YouTube channel now. That that wasn't my role there, you know. Hmm. Um. But I've bought a few pair of Under Armors now, and uh, the thing that I notice about them, they definitely have some tech, right? I don't know if it's the top-end tech. I haven't been able to test it yet. But that construction and the shaping of their shoes is beautiful. When you pull them out of the box, they look perfect. Yes. And I don't see glue anywhere. Like, the quality is really, really high. True. Um, and I really like that. And so, for the, I don't know what happened with that curry line, but... <laughs> What I like, like, so, so the sneaker world doesn't like the shoe. Okay, cool. But if it is an amazing shoe for people to wear in hospitals and maybe not your cool sneaker people, <laughs> great. They should have awesome shoes too, right? Like if you walked in and your nurse was wearing them, I'd be like, oh, she's kind of, she's cool, right? Like, yeah, okay. Oh, okay. that world, like Under Armour has always done a great job of paying attention to the majority of the industry. I don't think they've ever catered to the sneaker, the sneaker heads or the mm. sneaker culture. They've always, you know, their shirts, they were mostly in hunting and they were in like everyday use, not just sports. And so I think they actually have an ability to reach out to all the consumers and not just the sneaker heads and not just the sports. Of course, the sports world and sneaker world are gonna, you know, put them in their place from time to time. But I think they resonate more with more of the consumers, to be honest. Okay, and I, I don't know that from numbers, but I can see that from their product and their quality. Super great. I have a theory, and I'd love to know your opinion on this. My theory is that the problem is the logo. 
when you look at the the compression shirts and you have that X that you know that cross X, what's well, it's the UA turned into basically what looks like an X on the chest. It's cool. It looks like you're one of the X Men. It, it, it's 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 great. It's awesome. When you put that on a shoe, it kind of just looks slapped on. And and it's very different from something like, say, the swoosh from Nike or Puma's little line that kind of looks like a track that's kind of like I'm centered onto the ground. Or Adidas, where the, the three stripes, which are so popular that people have been ripping off those three stripes in various ways for years. Um, by the way, I think this is actually part of Reebok's problem, too. I mean, Reebok, is, they make some awesome shoes here and there, but... Do we know what the logo is? You know, it's it's. I, I feel like that's part of the issue. You <laughs> know, true. I mean, I, yeah, what, like, that's a good point, especially you know? with Reebok. Like, I, I'm not even sure what their logo is besides their name. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's like a triangle. I, I don't know, but yeah, you. It could it could be logos, right? Like, fortunately, Adidas and Nike pick logos that kind of go with everything. Um, Adidas's logo is definitely functional, right? Mm-hmm. They can make those three stripes, like reinforcement things like that. And Under Armour's logo, to me, it looks like the Hurley logo. I actually knew the Hurley logo for surf brand Hurley ah. first. Um, and so Under Armour's looks like that to me. But it also looks like, from a structural point of view, it's like an I-beam. It kind of looks like an I-beam, which represents strength, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, it could be like, how do you put that on a shoe and make it, you know, fit? I, just, <laughs> I, I, I could see that being an issue. Yeah, it just, I, I feel like they, they're not really going to win until they do one of two things. This is Under Armour. One, either just take the L and decide, okay, our our Under Armour logo is not the thing. So we're going to make that subdued. We're going to put that maybe on the back heel somewhere and focus on the design. Or they're just going to come up with a completely different logo for the shoe line. So this is our logo when we do shoes. So it's still Under Armour, but this is our shoe logo. I think that's the like if you're listening under armor and I have talked to people at under armor. So if you're looking, if you're listening uh, under armor, that's that's my free advice uh, <laughs> worth exactly what it costs you. But it might be helpful. Who knows? Um, so, OK, lastly, you know what? OK, yeah, yeah. We we should do an experiment. We should take all the logos off the shoes and yes. run an experiment and see if people can tell see, in, that, in what shoe they prefer. Right? That is that is to me that is that is the best experiment you could possibly run because it would reveal a lot of hypocrisy and it would tell us a lot. I actually think between if we really did that, I think Adidas would probably come out higher than it usually comes out. I mean I don't mean their classic shoes. I mean some of their newer designs. Um I think Nike would pretty much remain near the top. Yeah, I think that would be I would love to see that test. You know, you should I think do that. Under Armour and Reebok would be in there. I mean, of the big brands, I actually think they would be in there too. Like quality, like quality, and and just it, it speaks a lot. Oh, yeah, we should, maybe I'll do that for one of my videos. I think you should do it. I, I would. Out. I would please. I've already uh, subscribed. I would love to see that. Well, one other thing I forgot to ask: Are you aware of the Ball family, Lavar Ball, Lonzo Ball from the Lakers? <laughs> Are you aware of them? Of course, who isn't? Who okay, isn't? so I'm just curious what you think. Like, what he's trying to do is break the structure of traditional shoe deals by creating his own brand, which many people said looked like uh, one of the Kobe shoes, and he he priced them very high, and they did seem to sell well, at least from 
whatever, like various unconfirmed reports, but there were apparently uh, delivery issues. But what's more interesting to me, I don't really care about the Ball family or Alonzo Ball. I, I don't really think he's a great player, but that's, that's another uh, conversation. <laughs> but um, I'm more fascinated by the notion of what happens when a truly transcendent special player comes along uh, from college, from the college ranks, like the next LeBron. Like, I can't even think of like who else, but like the next LeBron, the next Kobe, but it's apparent. Like with, with LeBron, it was apparent in high school where it's apparent that this is a transcendent star and they decide not through some overbearing father, but through whatever their team, they decide we're going to make the, you know, the Bill Jones, the third shoe. We're just going to go to our whatever manufacturers. <laughs> I guess they're in China and do the LeVar ball move and do this. I mean, do you think that like what he did there, do you think based on all of the complications and, and the hard work and the rigor and the research involved in creating these shoes, performance shoes? I mean, do you think that's viable? Do you think he is kind of an indicator of a trend for the future with like these large, you know, big time athletes moving forward? Um, I don't know, because cause shoes, shoes are complicated, right? It's, it's complicated. It takes a lot of experience to build a shoe really well with really nice materials. And I haven't gotten to see any of his shoes yet. I would love to, but the price point is just too high. Um, and so at some point I'll get a pair to check it out and see where the quality is. I think anybody can walk into a shoe factory just about and be like, build me a shoe. And the factory will build it based on what they have and what they're going to make money on. And that's what you're going to get. And I'm assuming that's pretty close to what they did. You see new shoe brands popping up left and right. They're like the new breweries right now. And so I'm fascinated to kind of look at and study these and see how they're doing it and how they're bringing good quality. Because it's not, I mean, Nike would not have, and Adidas would not have these massive groups of people working on this if it wasn't complicated and technical and difficult. So I think we'll see it get easier for brands to just walk in and do it but unless they pull in an expert that's worked on footwear and really knows it well and has done their specific sport i think it's going to be hard for them to come in and and make a difference but i love i love the spirit of trying and doing it differently hmm. like i think that's really great i think all of us should continually do that like how can we how can sponsorship change how can how can athletes like that? He realized that his kids are going to play basketball for X amount of time. And during that time, they'll have the money. But how does he build it into an empire where they can sustain it and maybe help other people do it? You know, like right. that, I think, is kind of fascinating. Can't speak to him or <laughs> and, well, the words he uses. But, um, yeah, we'll see. There's other there's other small brands popping up left and right. Have you heard about Jason Maiden's? Um, super heroic kid shoes never heard is this a, is this like a craft i love the analogy you said it's like craft breweries so is this like one of the craft brewery of of like sneakers or like i've never heard of that yeah yeah so he jason maiden used to work for nike actually and was involved in the monarch design and jordan and everything and he he left i guess you'd have to look on his website to check his full story but to get his kids to be more active and working out and so he built this company called super heroic and it's just kids' shoes, and it's a really nice model. They have one model right now, and, like, you buy it, and it comes with a superhero cape. And they have this movement thing about getting kids active and moving. And it's just – it's really simple. It's really beautiful. And they're doing a great job. You should check it out. Oh, I love that. That sounds cool. I really like that idea. Um, So last two questions. 
I would be remiss if I didn't ask you what is uh, aliens come to the planet and you want to <laughs> you want to show them your best look. Let's just say let's just assume you have what you the budget to wear whatever upper you know like pants or whatever dress or your skirt uh, blouse whatever it, you know warm up gear whatever you want but your shoes what are, what's the one shoe that you would choose to represent the human race as the the pinnacle of of, <laughs> of design and performance right now oh my word and these aliens oh, are very judgmental they they, they, they they from afar they've been watching uh episodes of um uh what's the fashion uh reality show <laughs> with uh, Bla- uh you know <laughs> tim one? tim tim block tim black whatever his name is um i'm forgetting the name of the show i don't know i can't think so of they've been wa- they've been watching episodes of like fashion reality shows and they come to earth and you are wearing what well to make it easier for you that's two different questions one oh. so that that question maybe could span time so maybe you could choose a classic and then what is your favorite new shoe i'll say yeah i'm gonna pick the classic as the um oh it's tied it's tied between the presto the like mid-top prestos that they just really or came out like a year or so ago functionally those things are great Hmm. uh and it's tied with that and the air force one knit the air force one knit oh the Wait, wait, wait. Is that the new? Is there a new one that came out? They've had it out for a couple years now. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I've at least had it for a couple years. But yeah, it's a knit upper on the Air Force One, but it's like the soft lunar wing. The shoe is just so versatile and awesome. I mean, that might, I mean, that might be the shoe I would wear to represent. Oh, man, it, it's between <laughs> that and I think maybe the. Oh, this is, I need to really dial this answer down because I, I can't, like, I love the Paranorman Raid. Like, I love the Air Raid, like the functionality of it. Like, if I had to go, you know, live in one shoe for the rest of my life, it would either be the Paranorman Air Raid or the Tom Sachs Narjard shoe. It'd be one of those two. So you are a super, um, you, you, you have just uh, leapfrogged my knowledge. I'm going to have to look these up. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to Google all of these because some of these I've never heard of. So these, so this is the represent the human race. And it, so these aren't, what, what would you, what would be your, your new, the, the new shoe that just came out? Like something that you would, it just kind of like you felt was like a breath of fresh air. Oh man. I'm looking at these new Reeboks and they're pretty amazing. Um, Reebok? The air float ride. Oh my. Yes. Wow. I know. This is shocking. This is a shocking development. I okay. know. What, what are they I called again? The um, float ride. Float ride. They have a yeah. They have like a knit upper and a dual density midsole foam. Uh, they're pretty interesting. I have to say, I just tried Boost for the first time not too long ago, and it's pretty amazing. I wish I had tried it before React came out, but I do like the Nike Epic React. Like it feels really good on foot. If they just did a different upper, it would be. It would pre- be pretty awesome. Um, if they took the Air Force One and put React in it, that would be awesome. Maybe the, the uh, hyper-adapt with the uh, React foam in it would be cool, too. By the way, what's the most you've ever paid for a pair of uh, sneakers? <laughs> oh, oh, man, the most I've ever paid. Um, I think I just bought the um, Adidas Super, what was it? The, oh, the Parley. I really like that shoe, actually. But um, 
sub two. I just bought the Adidas sub two, and that was like two hundred two something. That's the most you ever um, paid. Yeah, I think so. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah. Hey, yeah. you're a sneaker. Right. Yeah. So, so you, I mean, are you getting back room deals here? Are you getting friend of, of the family deals? Like from very, I mean, cause 200, that's pretty, uh, that seems low at this point. No. Yeah, it does. I'm a little, um, picky for sure. But you know, Nike in the last 13 years, I always got the employee discount. Right? Oh, right, so right, right, right. That was right. most of my career. Right. And so right. it's only been a month or so that I've been actually buying shoes and actually the acronym. That that acronym Vaporax that was two fifty. Oh, and I bought um, I just bought a Vaporfly four percent, which was two fifty. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, I can't. I you know I didn't realize when I was at Nike how much <laughs> shoe cost was it. Now I'm like two hundred bucks for a pair of shoes for me. I like it's like a like fancy fancy shoe. Like I definitely have shoes that are a bit more than that, but um. Like I got sandals for my wedding that were twelve hundred dollars. Like that's Oof. totally not usable, right? They're they're a one time use thing. But anyways, like two hundred dollars is a lot for their shoes. Three hundred dollars is a lot. Like yeah, seven seven twenty for the hybrid app. That's that's a lot of money. That's well, a the lot mo- of money. The most I've ever paid was three hundred dollars for and these aren't really sneakers, but they're boots made by Nike. These boots are boots basically if I was in one of the sequels to Chronicles of Riddick. These are the boots I would be wearing. They are so futuristic nice. and cool. Um, and then my other favorite shoe right now, which is thankfully not too popular to where I can't get them, are the uh, Nike commuters, which have like this kind of magnetic buckle um, on top. It, it's they just they they look like acronym shoes, and I'm pretty sure that um, I think there yeah there is a version that is specifically from Errolson Hugh and the acronym line. But what I bought was just a couple of pairs of just the straight, I think, Night Lab versions. And those were only like 150, uh-huh. only 150. <laughs> um, anyway, so actually, this is the real last question. What uh, how long do you think it's going to take us to get to, you know, earlier I asked you, you know, about smart shoes. How long do you think and it just again? you know, assuming materials, technology and chips and everything just goes apace and, you know, we find advances. How long do you think it will be before smart shoes are commonplace? Oh, tough question. I'm, I'm hopeful. Like I, I hope it advances quickly. I'm hopeful in five years. So that 2023, 2025, Mm -hmm. I hope we're using them right to help people. Um, and, and just making it like that your shoes, because your feet are really important. They're their base, right? Like taking better care of your feet. I hope the shoes are taking better care of your feet. And that's, I hope it gets here as soon as possible, you know? Awesome. Okay. And so that is all I'm going to hit you with. I have a ton of other questions, but I feel like I've kind of, I've peppered you enough with sneakerhead uh, <laughs> queries. So g- give us, um, what's the address? How do we get to the YouTube channel? Yeah, you can just search in YouTube uh, under Tiffany Beers, and uh, it'll it'll pop up there. There's lots of um, there's lots of videos I'm in, and then you just look for my channel, though. But is there like a name of the show? Are you still developing that? Still developing it. It's just it's just under my name for now. Um, yeah, we're t- I'm trying. I've, I've turned down a few names. Let's put it that way. But we're trying to find something that's fun, but um, 
not too serious and, and, you know, something that sneakerheads don't need to feel their need to put their opinion on. <laughs> and are you, is it just going to be you? Are you going to have guests? Are you going to like, what, what else is going to happen on the show? Like, what are your plans? Yeah. So I would like to turn it into having guests doing interviews, um, a, a lot more technical conversation. I have a few friends that, um, uh, work in like labs and things and like for technical testing of the shoes, doing that. Um, I'd love to talk more to people from the brands. I have so many questions for someone from Adidas or New Balance or like, I have so many questions for them. I'd love to get a brand rep on there um, to chat about. And then I'm going to continue to push these head to head and put all the shoes. Like let's look at the weight of all of these shoes. Like the plan is to educate the consumers a little bit more about how much is actually going into these uh, products because they're they're quite an achievement. Like the, the people working on the shoes from all the brands, they work their butts off, um, and it's pretty it's pretty awesome. And I, I'd love to expose that a little bit. And, and you talked about the craft, you know, shoe market. Yep. You know, this kind of. Have you considered putting out your own shoe? I've, I've been asked that question a few times, which makes me think about it. Um, I have to have a niche. I have to know where. It fit in. And right now I'm just kind of studying all the brands to understand and also studying the consumer to see like how hard is it to find the shoe that you need and is it even working for you? Um, so I would say it's not off the table, but that's definitely not what I'm working on right now. I would absolutely wear an athleisure brand called Beers. Just just Beers. B-E-E-R-S. <laughs> that I would be no, I'm dead serious. I'd be proud and happy to wear that. Whether it's like just the gear or the shoes or both, and I think the niche for you is uh, tech meets sportswear. I think that's I, I don't really feel. I mean, y- y- these big companies are touching it in places, but I don't feel like there's a brand out. I mean, maybe acronym to some degree, but he's so high priced and rarefied that he's kind of th- there's money on the table. I think. But I love we, it. It's called Beers, and it's a tech sportswear company. I would I would wear the <laughs> hell out of that. Seriously, I, I would really love to see that. But regardless, I will be watching the channel um, on t- on Twitter. Do you want people to know what your handle is? Or are you on Instagram? Sure, it's just yeah, Instagram and Twitter is just. Tiffany beers, uh, no space or anything. Yep. That'd be great. Tiffany, I thank you so much for joining us on the Mars Magazine podcast, and we will be watching. I want to thank Tiffany beers again for joining the Mars Magazine podcast. Uh, I will be keeping an eye on her YouTube show. I hope you guys check it out too. I, I what I'm really hoping for though, is that we at some point see a beers, I don't know, fashion line or not, not fashion line, a shoe line an athleisure line that would really be i mean I, I meant that like the more i think about it the more it makes sense and you know remember she was the what was her title at nike uh the senior innovator at nike so she knows her stuff she knows what she what she's doing when it comes to essentially pay, you know blazing new trails and i think we shouldn't just leave it to some of the kind of industry players i think this idea of craft sneaker companies is a great or craft sneaker companies and athleisure companies is an amazing idea so let's keep an eye on tiffany beers and again you can check her out on youtube uh and on twitter as she said this has been the mars magazine podcast my name is adario strange and if you want to check out more of the mars magazine podcast you can visit us on twitter at twitter.com slash mars magazine or on the web marsmagazine.com Thanks again for listening, and we will see you in the future.